Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Beat, a health law podcast brought to you by Cyfarth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare group. Each Healthcare Beat episode focuses on key industry trends and legal developments while identifying practical takeaways for those dealing with these issues every day. I'm Chris DeMeo, a Cyfarth healthcare attorney sitting in Houston. Let's get started. This episode of Healthcare Beat focuses on recent actions by the Department of Justice to treat no-poach agreements and covenants not to compete as antitrust violations and to seek criminal prosecution. Now, non-competes and no-poach agreements are relatively common in the healthcare industry, and I know I have some clients that insist upon non-competes, and I have some clients that don't care and think there are more problems than they're worth. So whichever side of that line you fall on, uh, this will be a great show for you. Our guest today is Christine Argentine, a partner in Seifarth's Chicago office and chair of the firm's commercial consumer class action defense group. Had to force myself to slow down on that one. That's a long name. And so we are excited to have her here. I, for one, am very excited to have her with us today, not only because she's the chair of the practice group, which has to have the longest name in the firm, uh, but also because I remember Christine from when I first joined the firm, my first partner meeting, I was there and they were giving out awards and there was this award for lawyer of the year or some you know best, greatest accomplishments of the year. And they announced Christine Argentine is the winner. And she walks up and I, I say, she's got to be like 18 years old. What this guy, I have Doogie Hauser working at this firm. She must really, really, really know her stuff. And so ever since then, I've wanted to uh, visit with her. And that's, it's only been like four years. So you know, better late than never, right? Yeah, no, thank you, Chris. I, I appreciate that. And uh, glad to hear I, I look much, much younger than I am. So uh, always <laughs> nice to hear. Well, Christine, welcome to the podcast and let's jump right in. Let's start big picture. Can you uh, tell our listeners how this uh, antitrust revolution, so to speak, uh, all started and where the DOJ is coming from? Yeah, sure. So this change in the antitrust kind of landscape, I guess, if you will, shifted with the changing administration. So in 2021 and 2022, there was kind of a renewed focus on these perceived restraints on worker mobility and antitrust violations in the labor market. In particular, the DOJ started looking a lot more closely at these no-poach agreements, these non-compete agreements. And, you know, as you know, the no-poach agreements are these agreements between companies where they're basically agreeing, we won't solicit, we won't hire each other's employees. The other thing that the DOJ started looking at is wage-fixing agreements, right? Were these companies agreeing to set wages at a certain level and agreeing that they wouldn't raise those, those wages so that everyone in the market was kind of at that same level? Additionally, they began to aggressively pursue antitrust violations in this context, including criminal indictments, which was really surprising. Now, the 2016 guidance for the HR professionals included that possibility of criminal charges for antitrust violations in the labor context. But until now, they really weren't pursuing those. And what's significant about those criminal prosecutions is that, in general, the antitrust division reserves criminal prosecution under Section 1 to per se violations, meaning those naked restraints that are anti-competitive, have no redeeming qualities and no pro-competitive benefits. And everyone knows, listen, that agreement is no good, right? And so it's surprising that they're pursuing kind of these no poach agreements, these wage fixing agreements that really haven't been analyzed in the courts really extensively under these criminal indictments. 
So can you tell us a little bit about the big cases that came up in 2022? Yeah, sure. So in 2022 and 2021 were when these indictments um, really started coming out. And there were a couple big developments in those cases in 2022. So there were two criminal trials in April of 2022, one in a case called Jadal, which involved physical therapists and healthcare staffing executives that were accused of fixing the rates paid to physical therapists and assistants. And that case was in Texas. And the other case is the DaVita case, and that involved um, dialysis providers and those companies and their competitors agreeing not to poach each other's senior level executives. And at those criminal trials, the jury acquitted the defendants of all the Sherman Act violations, which was really a great stride. That's encouraging. Yeah, it was, it was really great. And, and because I think a lot of people in, in the antitrust community and on the defense side felt like this was too aggressive of a pursuit. The one exception was that one in the Jadal case, one of the executives was convicted of obstructing the investigation by the FTC. But the antitrust violations that the juries found weren't valid. And so we thought that this would slow down. Unfortunately, it didn't. The indictments kept coming. The, the DOJ kind of made a public statement saying, we're not deterred. We're going to keep going. And so, you know, in October of 2022, there was another case that was in criminal indictment and it was called the VDA case. And that was in Nevada. And that involved healthcare staffing companies where the competitors were agreeing not to raise nurse wages and not to hire or recruit each mm-hmm. other's employees in that context. And in that case, in October, one of the executives pled guilty to an antitrust violation. Pled guilty. Pled guilty, which was the first conviction that the DOJ secured in that context, right? For that wage fixing, no poach agreements in this context, which, you know, really emboldened them to keep going. Now, that case, there's still an executive in that case. um, He was a regional manager, Ryan He, that is scheduled to go to trial in April of 2023. So we'll be able to kind of see how the the, the actual antitrust, the, the substance of those legal claims kind of pleads out. But the guilty plea, you know, was definitely a feather in the DOJ's cap. And, and they've indicated that they're going to keep moving forward. So that's uh, that's incredible uh, that after two successful defense trials, they would plead guilty. So is this just the Department of Justice who is focused on this issue or are there other federal agencies involved? No, you know, the federal agencies have really band together, right? Any of the agencies that are have kind of have this consumer focus have taken this stance or similar stances on kind of this worker mobility restrictions in the labor market. And, you know, we've seen that developing over the last couple of months. The FTC is one that has been very vocal about it. Critically, in November of 2022, the FTC released a new policy statement, which was setting forth its enforcement authority under Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act. And basically, the FTC announced it's no longer going to focus on the rule of reason framework to determine liability. It's going to broaden its scope, right? It's going to interpret the, its scope under this act as much broader. And so, therefore, it is allowed Can they do that? Can they just say, this is how uh, we're going to start reading the law? Yeah, you know, they backed it up, right? Said the legislative history tells us we can do this and we just have never taken this step before. I mean, that is yet to be seen whether that it certainly will be challenged. But so far, they're saying we think our authority under this act is to stop any unfair methods of competition at their incipiency. 
based on the tendency to cause harm, which is a really much broader scope than based on an antitrust violation. You know, in the past, they've done economic analysis to see if there has Mm -hmm. been actual harm being caused to the markets. Now they're saying they don't have to do that. And that's going to really widen that scope of investigation and potential pursuit of right criminal indictments and and, and mm-hmm. civil prosecution. Yeah. And the, the worker mobility and, and non-competition reminds me of, of a case uh, from last year, I think, in, in Wisconsin, where the government wasn't even a party to the case. It was a commercial dispute. And they just butted themselves in and said this non-compete is a per se violation. You know, and we, we've seen that a lot. Right. We saw it in that case where the the, the, dis, the underlying dispute was a non-compete violation. It was a contractual issue and, and a little bit of an issue over whether or not the non-compete satisfied the obligations under the state statutes, because obviously, you know, that's been a developing area of law mm-hmm. as well. And whether there were legitimate business interests at issue. Uh, but yeah, the, the DOJ came in and filed an amicus brief and said, and they didn't comment at all on the state statute, obviously. They just said, we actually think this might be an antitrust violation. We think that non-competes are an allocation of market, which was very shocking, I think, probably to the people in the yes. case, but, but to the community as a whole as well. Oh, yeah. And and if I recall, it was like a 25 mile radius. So it wasn't even, you know, well, I mean, depending on who you ask, it wasn't even that onerous. But my goodness. So the times are changing. Yeah. So you know, the other thing we've seen, too, is that the, the state AGs are, are really jumping on board here. Right. The, the state uh, AGs, antitrust divisions are following the lead and they are also pursuing these no poach wage fixings. I sit in Illinois and Chicago, and we've seen the Illinois antitrust division of the AG's office really aggressively pursue as per se violations in the staffing industry, these exact same um, types of, of labor dispute or not disputes, but these exact same types of labor arrangements. Well, that's uh, very good to know. Is this uh, specific to healthcare or is this other industries and and can we learn lessons from what goes on in these other industries? Healthcare has very clearly been a focus, right? They are definitely targeting the healthcare industry, just given the, the criminal cases that were filed. A lot of them involved or touched the healthcare industry, but the healthcare industry is not alone. We've seen these novel antitrust allegations in other industries as well, including in the franchise context, um, in the staffing agencies, the staffing industry more generally. You know, there was another criminal prosecution that there was an indictment in 2021 in Connecticut where the DOJ was pursuing a case against a former manager of an aerospace engineering company and then five executives from outsourcing companies that supplied engineers for like specialized projects. So essentially a staffing setup. And there, the defendant moved to dismiss the indictment using a lot of the similar arguments, right? This shouldn't be a per se violation. You should be looking at under the rule of reason framework. There are, you know, legitimate reasons to have these agreements in place. And in December of 2022, the court denied the motion to dismiss. Now, while the court found that the no poach and no non-solicitation agreements are not a new category of per se misconduct, You know, they said they weren't going to willing to go that far to say every no poach agreement, every non-solicitation agreement is going to be a per se violation. There's no redeeming value to any of those. But what they did say was that the allegations in this case, which were pretty general, similar to the Pickering case, where that was an allocation of market. Right. And when we're 
when we're looking at it we're, from an antitrust perspective, you're looking at it a little bit differently than we're typically used to. So typically you're used to looking at a market of competitors for a particular product or, you know, a particular, you know, line of services. But here we're looking at the labor market. That's what the focus is. And so you've got people who aren't necessarily traditionally considered competitors who are being accused of allocating the labor market because those companies maybe compete for labor. Wow. And that's something that certainly could be applicable to uh, the healthcare industry as well. So I guess it's, it's somewhat encouraging that it's not a, uh, a new category of per se violation, but definitely something to be careful about. And so that brings us to our practical takeaways portion of the show. Christine, what can our listeners expect to see in 2023 and how can businesses protect their investments and personnel while avoiding criminal prosecution. Yeah. So, you know, given what's been happening at the very end of 2022 and even the FTC statements that have been coming out in 2023, we fully expect to see, you know, this labor side antitrust investigation, civil and criminal prosecution continue into 2023. We think likely the government agencies, the state AGs are only going to get more aggressive. So it's important to note, too, that they don't seem to be particularly targeting any one industry, any kind of size of business, right? They're not going after big tech or some different really big companies. They are pursuing small companies, big companies, healthcare industry, franchise industry. It doesn't matter. So they're looking at this as a, you know, they can go after anyone if they perceive a violation. You know, we expect to see more novel theories being pursued, especially with this kind of statement by the FTC of, hey, our authority is actually much broader than we've pursued in the past. That will lead to some more novel theories of antitrust violation. You know, and I think the uncertainty in these theories and the pursuit of criminal charges is going to cause companies, executives to panic a little bit and to kind of seek um, amnesty under the DOJ's leniency program. And that means that they're going to be turning in other companies that maybe they've engaged with where they think there's an antitrust violation or possibly some sort of antitrust violation because they don't want to get caught up in the, the liability. So they're going to turn themselves in, but by default, turn others in as well. So nothing says thank you for your business, like turning them into the DOJ, right? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, the leniency program, you know, is is pushed pretty hard and, Mm -hmm. you know, they promise a lot. So I, I could definitely see a lot of businesses thinking, well, I better just get in there because if I'm the first one, then I get the leniency. Should companies revisit their current arrangements or can they be tagged for violations as long as it's within the statute of limitations? Yeah, I think it's always important for the companies to be looking at their current arrangements and to be revisiting what those look like. You know, at at a minimum, they could kind of cut off that liability if they are tagged for a past violation. You know, the other thing that companies need to be looking at is their antitrust compliance policies, their training programs. In particular, traditionally, companies have focused on training efforts in their departments that focus on pricing and product strategy and dealing in their competitive markets. With this new focus on the labor-related violations, compliance training is now going to be needed for HR professionals, hiring professionals, compensation teams, because those are the people making those decisions about whether or not to hire someone, whether or not to enforce those non-competes 
you know, having those conversations of perhaps you don't hire our people, we won't hire your people that are getting companies in a little bit of hot water now. You know, and I think that businesses also need to monitor not just agreements with competitors and others in the market, but information being exchanged. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that's being looked at as a potential antitrust violation. And it's basically what what they're calling signaling conduct. So you exchange Mm -hmm. wage information with your competitor that you normally wouldn't exchange. You're basically signaling to your competitor, hey, Mm -hmm. you don't raise your wages, I won't raise mine. Even though that's not a formal agreement, that also could be an antitrust violation. Wow. So, uh, Christine, I could do this all day. This has been delightful and you did not disappoint. I had very high expectations given my first encounter with you and you exceeded those expectations. This has been very informative and uh, very sobering in a way that things that have been relatively common are now, you know, can get you (laughs) criminally prosecuted. So thank you so much for uh, joining us and for sharing your expertise. Yeah, you bet. It's been a pleasure to be on the podcast. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Seifarth's Healthcare Beat podcast bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in health law. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit SciFarth.com or follow us on iTunes, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.